0: Hi, and welcome to this first episode of the Drawing of the Three season of the show. If you're returning from uh, season one, welcome back. If you're new, welcome. Go check out season one. We talk about the entire series in order. Uh, But we're so happy to have you here. Regardless, two things I want to let you know about. It's especially important as we begin talking about a new book that people tell their friends about the series. Uh, So direct people that you know who like Stephen King or The Dark Tower to RadioFreeMidworld.com. And if you like this show a lot, it's only possible because of the support of the Duckfeed Patreon backers. Go to Patreon.com/DuckfeedTV. We have a whole network of shows that are uh, supported by your support, and we're incredibly grateful for it. So let us uh, join Roland on the beach. Let us see who we have with us. Uh, gosh, so excited! Let's just go. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a Dark Tower podcast or a, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books. I forget which one I usually say. I'm your host, the ever indecisive Cole Ross, and I am joined today by uh, Evan Jones Thorne. Hello, hello. Jeremy Greer. Hi. And Stephen Vayu. Hello. Hey, and uh, we're here. Uh, this is exciting. We're starting the new season of the show talking about the drawing of the three, subtitled Renewal and uh published in uh 1987 back from a short uh kind of mid-season break to talk about the eyes of the dragon nobody on this episode well one person on this episode has heard it because he <laughs> snuck a peek uh- <laughs> <laughs> damn it steven
1: <laughs> uh, yeah it was me yeah, sorry I, I did yeah. <laughs> you're the worst
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, but um wait
0: yeah but uh that that was a lot of fun but it's really good to be back on the main path and boy am i excited to talk about the drawing of the three um so we have all uh, every guest here is returning so i just want to get uh you know any kind of impressions of the drawing of the three that you guys have you know to let the to let the listeners know what they what they can expect like uh who here especially loves the drawing of the three i'm imagining all of us are raising our hands
3: yeah, I uh, yes. I really do love this one. <laughs> yeah, I I, I told uh, anybody who listened to the first season, which you all should, um, has heard my story of experiencing this book for the first time, and how uh, how bizarre and disjointed and. Uh, GPS-centric, it was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: the, 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 the summary version of it is you ended up listening to an MP3 of the audiobook from Audible on a GPS using that as a as as an AirSats iPod, right? A,
3: a, a GPS that belonged to my dad, which I feel like is a very significant detail.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, yes. <laughs> it was your dad's Garmin. Um,
3: yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if that is why i have so much affection for this one or mm. if i have that the amount of affection i do in spite of that
0: but hey no you you like you, you like stuff you work for you know it's going to it's yeah. going to be no, sweeter I... than if it just got handed to you like like me i just opened it up <laughs> i just opened up my kindle and bought the you know bought it right after i finished gunslinger like a like a fucking soft chump
1: <laughs> don't be so hard on yourself i think we all would just open up our candle on it so don't don't feel too bad we can't all have no, GPs from our dad i had to My go i was searching
3: me. through yard sales for the first edition of this all right so i don't even mm. want to
0: hear
1: it oh, all okay. the work i had to go
0: through <laughs> um steven how about you oh uh
3: i actually uh having read through all the gunslinger and eyes of the dragon um the it was interesting reading those two books because those are that is Stephen King doing something very, very different, like The Gunslinger is him whenever he's uh, – despite any kind of revisions, which are kind of uh, tonally obvious when they come up. Um, his writing style for both of those books seems like he's trying other things that I, I don't normally hear uh, him you know, in, in his voice. And then this one is kind of a nice return to form for King, and I think that might have a lot to do with where a significant portion of this book takes place. Uh, It's back in our world again, and so it's kind of like, you know, like the nice little warm, cozy um, (laughs) uh, drug-fueled blanket (laughs) that he wraps around us again whenever he's kind of talking about the thing (laughs) that he normally does, which is cool guys using cool words, (laughs) um, doing real cool things.
0: Yeah. How about you, Jeremy?
1: Man, this book moves, huh? Oh, God, it does. (laughs) Yeah. I was really... It's been a while since I've read this, and um, coming from The Gunslinger, which compared to this book just reads like a slog like it kind of felt like it was taking a while to get through and that's and that book is quite a bit shorter than this one um there's some there's some parts there's some chapters of this and i won't go into spoilers but like that deal with kind of like some new york mafia stuff that in my head i thought went on for like 700 pages Mm -hmm. but it just i mean it's just like breezing through stuff and it's very very fun like i love all of this stuff like it blows open the mythos it you know introduces a bunch of really cool and fun characters um we're not going to get into some of the weirder aspects on this episode but i'm kind of looking forward for this show to to cover some of that it's going to be kind of weird too (laughs) but man like this this is like and even from the word go like the very first chapter you're like it just changes the this world completely it changes roland significantly and like the courage to do that, to like really screw with your main character, is it's really really fun.
0: Yeah, it uh, it just it's funny because it 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 is you know kind of this renewal. It picks up the story where it left off, and it puts it on a set of greased rails almost, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, strangely enough, mo- <laughs> you know, or in contrast to that, most of the book, like if you look at physically what's happening, it is people crawling for every inch of their life. You know, on basically bloody stumps, but like there's a there, there's a lightness to what happens. And I think that the 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 fact is, what makes it better, I don't know, what makes it feel faster is the fact that a lot of it is dialogue, oftentimes between a person and a person in their own head, be that an actual kind of like interloper like Roland ends up being, or by you know figures of their past. You know, as we as we see with kind of the 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 big addition here in this episode, which is uh, Eddie Dean, right.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. So this episode is going to cover um, the prologue in the first three chapters of the pri- of the prisoner, which is the first book of this book. Um, so up through uh, contact and landing. Um, the next episode is going to finish that one out, finishing out Eddie's kind of portion of this. And then we're going to move on to Lady of the Shadows and etc. on down the line. We've, we, we know who all these people are. We got the uh, we got the prophecy. But this season or this, uh, yeah, the season of the series will be six, uh, six episodes long. So each of these sections getting two, and uh, we should probably start by picking up where we left off Roland uh, in this prologue after he's gotten this prophecy um, from the man in black. And he's now at the uh, at, at the world's edge at this, you know, ocean at the very west end of the world. And uh, looking out and thinking about Jake and thinking about this stuff, as terrible things happen. Jeremy, you alluded to this. They change his character a lot, not only as he aged, but uh,
1: what ends up getting him. <laughs> my, like my favorite thing in this book, the lobstrosities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know if anybody's seen the Dark Souls Two video "Rock Lobster," but like, go Google that right away and just have that song playing in your head for, throughout this. But um, oh man, like he wakes up on the beach and these uh, lobsters and when I read this as a kid I just kind of pictured them as smaller lobsters but like if you actually kind of read it and like do some work on like picturing these in your head these are giant scary lobsters like these things must be terrifying
3: well lobsters and, uh, are scary as the, uh, in their realistic size so these are truly these are
0: truly Lovecraftian horrors that
3: are coming yeah. out of yeah. the
1: ocean after Yeah, him. yeah. and uh, they talk which yeah. is the worst yeah I
0: mean if you've ever seen a lobster's mouth I'm just picturing the little like uh, uh, the the miniature swimmeratzer or whatever, the, the, the horrible mass of oh gosh, the horrible mass of tissue there just yeah. letting out these utterances. Uh these things are four feet long. Um and, oh. and, and uh, very accurately we've said lobsters are monsters that we eat. So <laughs> yeah, these yeah. things. Yeah they 're so scary <laughs> yeah they, they 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 come in with the tide and and one comes up and uh bites off the two uh bites off his index and middle finger on his right hand, so like immediately. Um, there's an awesome line here, which is, uh, oh gosh, I want to make sure that I, that I say it correctly. Um, I see serious problems ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah. <I was laughs> like,
3: that's such a great, like the, this series does such a great job of, of telling a somewhat classic, you know, hero's tale while also, you know, it's turning it on its head along the way, but the whole time it was just like, things never go okay. Like <laughs> immediately starting off the bat, like this couldn't possibly get any worse. Like they set him up as this real badass gunslinger guy. And they take away half of his hand. It's like,
0: well, <laughs> All right. And we get all these like we we get all these details. Like, there's a lot of just kind of details about the mechanics of the way these people. And, and then we're gonna get to the doors. How those doors work. Uh, mm-hmm. We know we're assured that okay, he he leads with the uh, with the left on his guns, but he uses the right for uh, most of the things. Uh, and also, he jerks off with his left hand. So at least he has uh, that going nice for him. <laughs> That's a nice
3: So glad
1: detail. you brought that
0: up. <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit later, but as we're talking about this, we've got to we've got to get in there. Roland's a fan of the a fan of the Stranger, and I'm I'm not yeah. talking about the magazine in Seattle.
1: Yep. Um, yep.
0: <laughs> mm. <laughs> Did it make you uncomfortable, Jeremy?
1: No, no, no. I was going to call him Doctor Strange Love. So we'll, go right ahead. We call <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did, we, did we mention exactly how these lobsters talk by the way like these questions that they just throw out like constantly like did, you, you have it in your notes did a chick dad a chum did like did that, did that dad constant like weird talky <laughs> rhymey thing is, is really really fascinating yeah it, make, it makes
0: them sound like birds especially when later on as they start you know mounting up a posse for revenge um, you, you get the sense of them like calling back and forth just uh, uh, passing information to each other
1: in the uh in the episode that nobody but me has listened to <laughs> eyes of the dragon <laughs> you, you guys talked a lot about the like Stephen King repeating stuff and i think this is one of the times where he, his repetition these these creatures repetition bleeds not only into like the characters of the books minds like a lot of times they'll be thinking something and they'll just like have a stray like dot a clock dot a tick like kind of thought. But like me and Autumn do this all the time to each other. Like we'll say something <laughs> and like rhyme it back in in Lobstrosity language. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like good good on Stephen King for having that kind of earworm.
0: Oh yeah, and that's something that like so this came out five years after the book version of the uh, of the Gunslinger. So that was eighty two. This is eighty seven, and the intervening time he's he developed an ear. Is, is is what happened it, it, it feels like like you just comparing and contrasting there's a there's a certain amount of like lyricism to not even just you know lobstrosity singing like birds but you know just the way that he the way that he puts phrases together like there were so many things that i highlighted that i didn't include because otherwise it would just be me spouting off quotes even more than i usually do
1: just reading an audiobook version <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and that already exists like you can yeah, there's no sense
3: i was actually gonna say i'm cole you uh you had referenced listening to the entire series to prep for the podcast and i i think that part of why i like drawing of the three so much is that the audiobooks are so good mm-hmm. like the the narrator does such a good job and and the 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 lobstrosities in the audiobook like the way that he says the the did a chick that a chum Mm -hmm. is forever lodged in my brain, even when I'm reading rather than listening. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those things that you just kind of keep coming back to.
0: Yeah. This is the first one. So if you're listening to the, to the modern kind of versions of the books, uh, this is the first one where Frank Muller does the narration, um, picking up, um, again, because things are timey-wimey, um, as we say on Bomb Fireside chat, uh, Frank Muller did the original version of the gunslinger and did everything up through, um, uh, book four, but then, uh, George Guidall took over, but Frank Muller just has a very good, again, it's all about the ear, a very good ear for these character voices. Although he portrays Eddie as more of a wise guy, not like a, like, Oh, he's a smart ass. Yes. He has a smart ass, but more of like a New York style yeah. wise guy than I initially read. That kind of evens out
1: as it goes on. Can I ask a question? And I, I don't want to make more work for you, so you can feel free to cut this out. That's fine. But I'm just kind of curious, and I've, I've been curious because I haven't talked to anybody that's read the audiobooks. How do the uh, audiobooks handle like the Deta Odetta split? Like, is that just read? Like, do they lean into it, or do they like just read it as it is on the page? Like, how, what, how do they handle that? Because that has to be really, really weird to read something like that. I'll let you handle that, Evan. Okay.
3: <laughs> It's been a while since it's been a while since I've I've listened to it. Obviously, but uh, he he kind of leaned into it. There was never really any doubt which of them was speaking,
2: right? Mm
3: -hmm. Um, Listening to Detta talk made me incredibly uncomfortable, and that's I I, I'm sure equal parts uh, Stephen King kind of. Reaching beyond his ability as far as writing goes mm-hmm. as uh to develop that character and also a deliberate narration choice
0: yeah it it, it very okay. much does lean in, so you know i guess we're you know we're gonna get there the lady of shadows, yeah yeah, more. <laughs> we don't we don't have to i i I didn't want
1: to i didn't want to spoil anything i was just i was i've been kind of curious and i know you guys listen to the audiobooks so i was just like i wonder what they do with that weird patois that she puts on that doesn't make any sense whatsoever he he presents it as it's as it's on the page
0: and as you as you probably as you probably would intone it in your head um so in that sense he he is a good interpreter of the text which is what you want in an audiobook um in an audiobook performer Sorry for the digression. No, no, that's that's perfectly fine because, you know, like those are the two strongest voices in the book is is Eddie with his fast-talking smart assery and, you know, Detta with, well, we'll talk about that when we get there, won't we?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do like – I like this moment where um, Roland is feeling incredibly vindictive about this lobstrosity. I cannot just – I can't contain my joy at saying the, being able to say the word labstrosity on a podcast over you and over know. again. This is so exciting <laughs> for me. Um, <clears throat> he's so upset about this labstrosity like violating him and biting off two of his fingers that he starts just stomping the hell out of it like and just crushing it and crushing it and crushing it. And then – as you might expect, like he sees his like half digested fingers in the like remains of this lobstrosity that he's crushed and like immediately starts puking everywhere. Yep. Like not not even Roland, like the last gunslinger can handle that kind of stuff. <laughs> <Right. laughs> that
3: means he must have obliterated that thing, which is kind of a shame because I'm sure it had a lot of tasty meat in it. You know? It's just a bigger <laughs> version of a regular lobster.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he 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 even goes so far as to notice uh, the uh, the dust from the Golgotha under the uh, under the fingernails while it's yeah, kind of it's sitting rigorous. there in the in the stew. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no he, uh, mm. he he treats this thing like it's the fax machine from Office Space. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, the, this the entire prologue is just one of the most brutal scenes in. The entire, at least in the entire Dark Tower
2: mm-hmm.
3: series. Sorry for the weird pause between
0: those words. <laughs> no, there. no, I, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's it's true, and I cannot I cannot oversell how jarring this was. I mean, even oh um, yeah, in just just going going, you know, basically f- finishing the Gunslinger in, in in one hour and then starting the next and having this whole world change again. Not only is he ten years older than he was before, but you know this badass who was screwing every woman he saw and killing it killing everybody else is all of a sudden diminished to this you know incredibly kind of just compromised frame
3: yeah, we're gonna. I mean, we see later that he's even got like his his wounds are gonna become infected. Like this is he becomes so miserable. For I mean, just even just the rest of this book, much less the rest of the series. But physically, mm-hmm. here, like that line, I see serious problems ahead. Is kind of just that's the the thesis statement for the rest <laughs> of this book. Like, yeah, it doesn't yeah. get any better after this. No, it's, <laughs> it's it's also maybe like the the quintessential Roland moment where. Mm-hmm he's he's just gone through all this and i see serious problems ahead that's his summary of <laughs>
2: you know
3: well i'm in the middle of nowhere i have no food no supplies i'm out of bullets i've got blood poisoning yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah like serious problems
0: as we like like as we go into the first chapter here you know he realizes hey my shells my my shells are wet he counts he only has 20 possibly good ones left he he notices <laughs> He notices that uh, like the, the the red lines are crawling up from his hand. So he's got blood poisoning or something like that, that, you know, when it reaches his heart, it's dead. It's almost like just I love that imagery because it's almost like it's a fuse burning down <laughs> or something like that. Um, and he's feeling like phantom pains in his hand. He speaks to his finger saying, go away, you're ghost now, go away. <laughs>
3: So he's played by Kiefer Sutherland, is yep. what you right? yeah.
1: okay. <laughs> cool. Rushing yeah. to that Metal Gear Solid. I was yeah. trying to get there. <laughs> <laughs> just all of
0: us just sprinting for the finish line. <laughs> yes.
1: He, he, he's, the, he's the
0: punished gunslinger. Um, <laughs> which uh, that's, not, that's not even just a joke. That's just me saying the... Mm. <laughs> yeah. but, um, And also he's on, he's on this beach, which is a desert, a desert of its own. You know, he, he straight up pulls out the rhyme of the ancient Mar- Mariner says, oh, there's water everywhere here, but there's nothing for me to drink.
3: And then- I was going to say, it's it's almost even worse than the desert because he actually <laughs> tries to imagine himself back where he was before mm-hmm. because he's looking at this, this ocean like this is just it's like taunting him.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah, this has to be this has to be a hard sight after being um completely isolated from water and then to see so much of it and then again not be able to do anything with it is got to be like even like just salt in the (laughs) wound of his you know fingers missing at this point. So,
0: (laughs) do you wish you picked a different metaphor than salt?
1: I mean, I was trying to think of like maybe some garlic butter with the lobsterosities, but Mm. I couldn't get there. So I just I went with salt like it's (laughs) delicious. Delicious. Yeah. Well, this is the first (laughs) it's the
0: first time that he's seen the ocean, too. He talks about how he's like heard about it Mm -hmm. in children's stories like he has to force himself to see it because otherwise it just doesn't it doesn't comport with anything
1: but and he really doesn't have any direction to go so he just kind of chooses north and i think it's just i think he even says in there like this is this was an instinct like this was just something like he felt he this was the direction he had to go and yeah. we haven't got to any like beam talk yet i don't think we're, no. we're, we're quite there yet but like this was just like okay like i've got two directions and my you know my gunslinger instincts are telling me to go up
0: yeah so. one book later and it would have been Ka that told that told him to go north uh now it's just <laughs> instinct and i <laughs> and i prefer that um <laughs> But, yeah, he decides to go north, so he, so he puts the water on his left, one would presume. There's a little bit of confusion about that, and this is another disclaimer that we're just going to put in here. Direction and time are meaningless, and the sooner you can accept that it's going to be played fast and loose, the, the, the sooner we can get on,
2: <laughs> we mm. can kind of
0: enjoy the the, <laughs> the other stuff that is not uh, either intentionally or unintentionally confusing. It's just the price of admission here. <laughs> The world yeah, has moved that's, on. That's a, you can't yeah, trust cardinal word.
1: directions anymore. It's spacey wacy. <laughs> yep. Spacey wacy. Tommy whiny.
0: Yep. We we got a little good. bit of uh, a a little bit of Dark Souls two
1: happening here. Um, <laughs> or at
0: least we're gonna you know. Yeah, just waits for that elevator
3: we come up at the end of the book. Oh, I
1: was when you when you mentioned Dark Souls too. I was I was trying so hard not to make that elevator joke. Like but then you bring it up and make me like just make me spit it out. So yeah, it's God. just like the elevator in Dark Souls. 2. It's three years
0: later and it's still
1: uh, man. It's still a <laughs> point of contention. It's it's, it's That's like my go ahead f- fifth Dark Souls reference tonight. I probably need to cool. Split. I'm sorry. No,
0: it's 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 fine. We're on this network. It it's it's fine. It's fine. Right. Sorry, I
3: got the chalice guys? references coming, so you guys you guys play Dark Souls?
0: Oh wow,
1: let's talk about that
0: for three years. Oh, that's crazy. Anyway.
1: <laughs> welcome to another episode of No, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: so he decides to go north and again this is just harrowing. This is when it gets to that point where you know say, like, oh, like <laughs> everything about this book but the pace crawls. Like, you know, it talks about, like, his legs coming unhinged as he goes, and he's just kind of bringing himself back to his feet out of just sheer
1: willpower. Yeah, there's quite a few sequences in this book where uh, Roland forces himself to do things, (laughs) and for basically no reason. It just has to, like, grind it out. (laughs) And Stephen King's writing here for all of these sequences, but especially this first one, like, it really makes you feel. Uh, it, it makes you feel hopeless. Like it makes you feel like the futility of Roland's situation. Like like Stephen mentioned earlier. Like no supplies, no water, or like no tobacco, like <laughs> nothing to do except just walk and hope something different shows up that doesn't try to claw and eat you. So I, like I, I really really enjoy Stephen King's writing when he's doing this this part.
0: Yeah
3: yeah that's a, it, that is exactly my thoughts on it. Like I've no, like the. The enjoyment that I had in reading it to the misery that I felt while, while reading it is like it's really uh, it's kind of a testament. It, again, looking at the the Gunslinger, which is a good book, and Eyes of the Dragon, also a good book, but this like this is really where King is really starting to shine here in like just reveling in the details without being hung up on anything. Yeah. Like the him describing Roland digging his stumps into the into the sand to drag himself along is just ugh. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh gosh, just that salty grit working its way into his freshly, yeah, uh, freshly denuded stumps. No, no, thank you. Can't. <laughs> um, so eventually, he kind of sees something way off into the distance, and he has to like crawl the last quarter mile to get to it. But he sees he sees a door, and King kind of similar similarly luxuriates in describing this thing, standing six and a half feet high. You know, every single thing about it, just kind of like crafted uh to this eerie specificity no frame no keyhole a picture of a baboon filigreed onto the knob oh and also it's only visible from one side
1: <laughs> <laughs> stephen king loves these doors man he loves them so much <laughs> yeah i do too i
0: can't i can't blame the man
1: <laughs> no no I'm, yeah. I'm I'm with it like it's, it they're they're so cool and like reading this for the first time and just like picturing this door this disappearing door on on a beach that is in the middle of nowhere with the ocean behind you. Like it's a, it's an incredibly, you know, I don't want to say compelling, but compelling mental image. Like it's just so evocative. Like it just puts you there immediately. Yeah.
3: Like this is, this is the image that I have in my head for this book. Like I can see it so clearly and vividly. And I, kind of hope that the image somewhere shows up in the movie somehow, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on how they spin that kind of stuff. But like the, the idea of, um, well, I guess we're gonna to get to it in a second where Roland tries to peek around to the back of it and it just it's just gone. And mm-hmm. so then he thinks that it's a mirage and then he comes back around and the like the monolithic nature of it is mm-hmm. kind of I don't know. It's it in my mind it is like that it's helping me see what Roland sees whenever he's thinking of the tower in his mind, kind of, if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: Yeah. This uh this the this impossible thing that that, mm. that denies all All kind of reckons on, you know, size and space and physical continuity. He says at one point, if I, you know, if I reached out and, and, and knocked on it, I'd be knocking on nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we make the Dark Souls references and I'll take off the other part of the bingo box that, you know, the idea of a door that stands in nothing is house as, house of leaves as fuck.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so just, just so we can all be parodies of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, this door uh, has a single word etched on it and it lets us know that we are, um, you know, fulfilling the prophecy now. This is the prisoner door and he opens it up and immediately falls back. Um, completely staggered by what he sees, something that he, that is even more shocking than the vision of you know the galaxy that the that the man of black gave him. He sees um, a fertile earth from thousands of feet in the air. It's kind of like how I like to imagine, um, you know,
3: like I imagine it like when I give my grandma. A VR headset, and then just watch what
1: happens. Why would you do <laughs> that to her? You, like, is not? your grandma mean? <laughs> no,
3: she's a sweet lady, but she's also in her recliner, so that's fine. <laughs>
0: oh, I don't know. That's, that's that like a, it. Actually, it's, it's like it just seems like a particularly potent act of future violence on a on a poor old woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, i mean maybe but still the the, the, the visual fits did, did, did you blow a vape smoke in her face
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> the world's confusing now come on granny i'm gonna show you SimCity puts in resident evil 7 <laughs> look at the suit look at it um <laughs>
0: But sorry, this maybe is, all of those things happen. <laughs> this is so absurd. <laughs> but no, he, he he looks out, and this is kind of uh, Roland's first real encounter with the real world. He's 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 heard stories of it from from Jake when he was under, but now he's seeing, you know, out the window of a plane uh you know through somebody else's eyes and this introduces one of my a, a very funny through line through the series which is Roland's just tenuous relationship with language and writing and also <laughs> just the the fact that thing you just we do we do things a little bit differently over here in Midworld. <laughs> so so we're gonna we're gonna get that. But but Roland is very much uh he's he's going from one jungle to the other like uh like like Tim Allen. But <clears throat> So he looks around and he sees the people and, you know, he calls them basically sheep, like they're all just kind of dully wasting paper. Um, and a woman walks up to him in pants. What? <gasps> <gasps> <laughs> and, and then he realizes that he is not looking through a door, but he's looking through eyes.
3: When I, when I read or when I listened to this on a GPS as a teenager, uh, the part where the door was eyes, I saw it coming. But it still completely tripped me out. Yeah. Somehow, it, it's it's just one of those things where it's 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 kind of an obvious thing. You can kind of tell that that's like it's 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 being John Malkovich. Like yeah, before yeah, it being yeah. John Malkovich mm-hmm. was John
0: Malkovich. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just, just, just say Malkovich <laughs> fifty more times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Careful, you'll
3: summon him. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. But uh, but it at the same time, there's there's something about it. And I think it's. It's it's everything that leads up to this point, even though you kind of see it coming, you get caught up in Roland's amazement and confusion.
0: Yeah.
3: And that's just such a cool feeling when a book can do that.
0: Yeah. And he achieves it through kind of like a, you know, an English 102 style, style trick, it seems, which is, you know, don't make any assumptions, you know, right as though there are no assumptions that can be made. Right. Um, You know, like right to describe, you know, to describe hijacking somebody's mind on an airplane, you know, for the first time as though you were saying it to a Martian, you know, like it goes over all the mundane details and probably too exhaustive of detail. But, you know, like there's a little there's a paragraph in here where he's recalling um, kind of a lesson from court saying, hey, you know, you never see all that you see. What we're doing is seeing through Roland's (laughs) eyes and catching (laughs) every detail. Um, And, you know, getting that first experience or at least borrowing it a little bit. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm (laughs) maybe I'm papering over that too much, but it is a it is a cool it's a cool device.
1: No, I like this. my only My only issue with the door as eyes metaphor is it's kind of like filming uh, video on your iPhone in portrait mode and then putting it up on YouTube, which is in landscape. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're, you're you don't have a lot of left and right on this door, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eh, you know.
3: <laughs> I think yeah. I think that lends to the kind of the trippiness of the whole thing of like how he talks about like the the vision that Roland is seeing is it, that it's like shifting, that it's not necessarily like panning like this is the way i like to to think of like looking through another pair of eyes because we see stuff through like first person camera view but nothing can shift the way your eyesight does and focus the way it does and i have Mm -hmm. to imagine that that has to be like one of the most disorienting things to view i mean Mm -hmm. i don't don't, even know begin to know how you would really imagine that but that's kind of like part of the whole thing of like this such like this limited scope but it's also like it's still to scale with Roland since he's able to see through it. Like mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Like the whole, the whole transdimensional stuff that's going on here. Is just all of this works really, really well for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, and oh, yeah. He, like he yeah. describes it as like vertigo too. Like mm-hmm. just uh, and, and it's funny that we mentioned the VR thing because that that's totally the sense that I get out of this. It's like, oh god, the camera's moving, but my eyes are also moving. What's going yeah. on? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <So>. Um, so he's looking through the eyes of this, uh, of this man who orders a gin and tonic and then gets up to go to go to the restroom. And the first, the first glimpse that he gets of the, of the man that he's inhabiting is, you know, this ring on his hand as he reaches out to open the door that has this, you know, ring on it that is, uh, uh too big and vulgar to be real. <laughs> Which, again, you know, leads to this idea of like Eddie as somebody who either doesn't have a lot of class or taste, or is is acting like or wearing stuff that he thinks people with class or taste would wear. Like, just I don't know that fake that fake paste ring is a uh, is is a pretty uh, a pretty powerful thing. But then he gets into the bathroom and looks in the mirror, and we get our first look at this young man, age twenty one. Um, dark hair, you know, hazel eyes, and Roland realizes, oh, he's sick too. We recall that uh, this prisoner, this uh, the, this prophecy person that he would draw, um, is infested by this demon called heroin.
3: One of the least subtle moments. Uh, <laughs> I, I keep coming back to the prophecy because just putting heroin in all caps—it's like, oh, okay, okay, <laughs> all right, yeah. No, heroin's a demon. Drugs are bad. I get it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now I, okay. I, I know what to expect, but I, but I didn't because when he said, "Hey, he's you know he's he's addicted to heroin," I didn't know if he was going to be a sympathetic character, and I don't know if that speaks to my own, to my own prejudices about hardcore drug use or whatever. But I didn't expect the the heroin addict to be as as lovable as Eddie dean is guys yeah. eddie dean along with, with with cuthbert um i guess they're, they're both kind of twinners so that's kind of the same thing favorite characters in the series
1: oh,
2: yeah. oh hands oh, down yeah.
1: eddie dean it was absolutely. like <laughs> my my drug addicted idol when i was in my, in my teens when he was <laughs> cooking, right like he was a smart ass guy that was like naturally gifted at not taking any shit and shooting people like <laughs> he was just a badass like yeah. even like, Roland is, like, this impossible mythical badass, but Eddie mm-hmm. Dean is, like, oh, this kid came from New York. Like, this kid knows jokes. This kid – like, <laughs> like he's – and he's a kid. Like, it's weird thinking about this he's- now, and I'm not trying to make, be ageist or anything, but, like, when I was 13 or 14, being 21 seemed like forever away. Now I'm – Way on the other side of that <laughs> Thinking like, this yeah, i was,
3: I was definitely under the impression I always visualized Eddie as someone like mildly older than me at least mm-hmm. um but then like yeah. reading that he's twenty one like what <laughs> yeah, I did not remember that at all before yeah. this read through
0: yeah mm-hmm. i i figured he was in his like late twenties at the you know at the uh at the, at the youngest, but yeah, just yeah. in my in my head, I pictured him as like this cross between like Paul Rudd and Aaron Paul. You know, like if I was casting, if I was casting, casting the movie, but no, he's he's a, he's a fresh faced kid is what he is.
1: (laughs) Aaron Paul at the beginning of Breaking Bad would have been the perfect, like casting choice for Eddie Dean in this. I don't know who they're going to cast for Eddie Dean. I kind of still hope it's Aaron Paul, but man, yeah, Yeah. just,
3: just, you know, young, young Aaron Paul, young Clint Eastwood.
0: (laughs) What a film. Okay. If we can Bill and Ted this and just go back (laughs) and grab the that's totally possible. (laughs) So it's fine. Yeah, let's uh, let's uh, let's pull or express this Be, Yeah. <laughs>
3: you guys you guys watch Tron, right?
0: Yep. <laughs> yeah, we got to bring that back. Up. Okay, no, cool. No problem there. <laughs> Again, just living into being parents first. <laughs> so <laughs> um, But yeah, Eddie Eddie is great. He always says simultaneously he says the 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 best and worst thing for a given situation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just I have, I have nothing but nothing but love in my heart for, uh, for 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 Mr. Dean. Even though he's in kind of a tough spot. Um he is Well, and,
1: and right now he is he is a shitbag person. Like let's let's be real honest. Like like he is not a great guy at this point where we meet him. Like he's going to be he's going to earn that love in the next like really throughout this book he's going to earn it. But right now he's like literally smuggling cocaine. Like, yeah, and he's, he's a heroin addict. Yeah, he's living with his junkie brother. So like he's not a great guy. <laughs>
3: he's the type of character like we come to him at the perfect moment because if we were at any point introduced to this character earlier in his life I probably wouldn't really care about him at all mm-hmm. like not, not not because you know not for any prejudice or anything like that but i like I like that his backstory is told the way that it is and as sparingly as it is throughout yeah. the rest of the series um that we come now whenever he is faced with Roland essentially like we're, we're we get introduced to him as Roland is and I, I think that that's the best way to do this so that we can Roland recognizes almost immediately I forget if I think it might be a little bit later when Roland actually recognizes that there's something in Eddie um that is different that, than everyone else in the plane that he's a natural fighter that maybe he's not
0: trained yet, but he he has fight in him, yeah he he recognizes he that steel. Eddie has some steel in steel. Him, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, when
1: yeah. I, I really like that um that word for exactly what he's trying to express here like that that un, unwavering strong like backbone basically that's that's a that's a really evocative one
0: yeah a, a, a little bit later, Roland watches his memories like movies almost. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm.
1: and he, he sees Eddie,
0: um, uh, is it, what is it like Nassau? He's in the Bahamas. Um, and he sees him like (laughs) outsmarting this guy who tries to poison him or give him bad junk, you know, just kind of like by saying, yeah, no, you're not going to do that. You're not going to fuck with me. Um, you know, just kind of thinking on his feet, you know, he really didn't do anything like that before, but that was kind of a, a proving moment for him. It's. So it's hard not to have a little bit of sympathy for Eddie, and one of the most kind of endearing things about him is the fact that he carries around this version of his older brother, Henry, the great sage and eminent junkie, in his head, <laughs> kind of parroting back this terrible, terrible advice. Like, hey, order a gin and tonic. This is an amazing quote. Uh, when, you, when you got to get down and you can't find the elevator, um, you do it any way you can, even if it's only with a shovel. <laughs> so like if you can't if if you can't needle pop right now get a drink because you're gonna lose your mind if you don't get down somehow yeah. you know <laughs> he tells them, hey maybe don't quit cold turkey go cool turkey right
1: <laughs> yeah the the cool turkey stuff I remember like reading this and thinking it was like oh yeah okay okay and now reading it now like it just it just so smacks of like. No, you have a problem, and you should probably address the problem <laughs> do, do, without using words like "cool turkey."
0: <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do you wish that she chose a different word besides "smack"?
1: You know, I don't. I think that works. <laughs> it does I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, so yeah, but like, just uh, his his relationship with his brother is is really poignant uh, to me. It, it, it works very well. What do you guys think about think about Henry as he's portrayed here?
3: As you, you, you get the sense that. Eddie idolizes Henry and maybe Henry was a good guy at some point. But even if that's the case, he has become so subsumed by his addiction for so long that it, it doesn't really matter anymore. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And even, even if his intentions were good, even if he, he tried to keep Eddie safe, he didn't.
0: He did, he did such a bad job at the back. <laughs> Talk about bad babysitters.
2: Um. Yeah. Uh,
0: the, I think that's...
3: Uh, for people, a lot of times, and I can recognize this, King likes to fall back on certain stereotypes for almost every single one of his books, and the younger sibling looking up to an older sibling that at the same time mistreats them. Uh, I think it's something that he does a lot, but he does it very, very well. Uh, I like... I can... I maybe it's just because of being a younger brother that I can kind of sympathize with that pretty easily,
2: mm-hmm.
3: but like I, I feel like this relationship, for as little as we actually get of it, um, like the the re, you know we we get little glimpses here and there, um, but I think that it, it is so brought to the surface immediately whenever he that line the imminent the great sage and eminent junkie and that's a but he's saying that <laughs> almost like in this. I, I look up to and listen to my older brother kind of a way like like he yeah. the that line he is obviously sarcastic whenever he's saying eminent junkie how he thinks of his brother. But he also thinks of him as someone to take advice from still. And I think that yeah. that that works really well.
0: He he means both at the same
1: time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like even though he's being sarcastic like d- Eddie is smart enough to realize there's some truth there, even if he's not quite willing to acknowledge that truth yet. Mm-hmm. Like he, he definitely understands that, it, you know, Henry is not great for him, but like he, you know, he's his brother. What is he going to yeah. do? Like walk away from his brother? There's no way it's, I, I,
0: I think they even call it as much later on, but mm-hmm. it's, it's codependence is what it
1: yep. is like like
0: henry has tricked him through this whole protector stick and his his that, that his mom kind of reinforced into thinking that okay well you know we we need each other in this world no matter no matter uh which direction we're both going like we're going to be tied to each other no matter I think what really
3: i think really it would have worked out way better if they just pulled over the impala got out started <laughs> talking and oh oh yeah, oh, I forgot.
0: This is
2: the wrong podcast. I'm sorry, guys. I
0: apologize. <laughs> are you guys Buzz Marketing? Come on. <laughs> that, that part comes at the end. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. But yeah, Ah, um, oh, man, I just uh, Eddie, you know, even even though he he's he's a little bit of a villain, like all of the all the people who end up being part of the quartet are a huge danger to 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 Roland, you know, at the very start um but even still like i don't know i just uh, i think that his relationship with with henry is really well drawn and like his development as a character throughout the series comes with him trying to manage that almost yeah. to this you know the, the this voice in his head again this is all about i don't know the people that we carry around with us um unwillingly be that
1: be that henry's not, not gonna henry's not just gonna go away <clears throat> like yeah. henry's gonna be a part of eddie for the for the rest of the series like yeah. no matter what's happening like a lot a majority of the time like henry's still a voice in eddie's mind
2: mm-hmm.
1: much like the gunslinger will come to be and a, a voice in almost all of this cotet's mind when he finally you know draws all of them through these doors like they, he becomes a real presence and mm-hmm. th- this relationship is Stephen, you, you mentioned this how Stephen king is good at this um King makes these interpersonal relationships, and he layers them so well that they feel very, very real. Like there's characters in this book that are like show up just briefly and then disappear that feel like real life characters. And I think that's one thing that King really, really excels at are these like tiny kind of details that they're not plot significant, they're they're character significant, but, but not even in a way that would affect like the overall story. <laughs> like it's it's just fascinating to me the way that these two characters kind of come to life without without bar- with barely any text right like it's just like a couple of it's like a couple of paragraphs and all of a sudden these characters are alive in your mind
0: yeah, yeah. he's he's good at building characters that are that are scene significant yeah,
2: yeah. as a, as a,
0: as opposed to just kind of like grand overarchingly significant grandly overarchingly significant um so we you know we we get this we this get this kind of scene of him recentering himself in the bathroom, but as Roland kind of come, comes forward to get a better look, he notices that his eyes change color; that they that, that they go from being kind of kind of hazel to being uh, the 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 color of worn Levi's is what uh, is what Eddie says. Again, a, amazing amazing imagery there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then he also hears a voice in his mind, you know, talking about like ah oh, the sky carriage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, Sky carriage is such a ridiculous two- phrase like yeah. two words put together <laughs> <You
0: know? laughs> um, and whenever Roland comes forward um, Eddie kind of uh, blacks out or blanks out which is something he never does yeah. even when he's on a nod so something something is up you know when Roland comes forward and orders a popkin yeah. <laughs> at the seat oh boy I've got issues with
1: popkin guys Tell me I want I want to hear your issues with popkins. Was, please, <laughs> please elaborate. It's a, it's Hold a, on, a, let me it's let a, me open my NASA Cola real quick and then I'll
0: talk <laughs> about some popkins. <laughs> <laughs> your nasala? Yeah, no, I just I just think the pot, like uh, it is it is a patently ridiculous word to call a sandwich. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, just, yeah. like, like, it it
3: bears absolutely no resemblance. whatsoever. like I yeah. at least, like if if Roland said popkin, I have no idea what he's talking about. I at least know what he's talking about when he says sky carriage.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, Popkin is the sandwich. I guess because there was no Earl of Sandwich where they were at, but I don't know. I just – I don't see it.
1: But there's definitely an Earl of Popkin. Is that, yep. The, yep. Is that yep. the, the statement?
0: Yeah, yeah. He, 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 he was the Earl. Uh, he lived in Popkin, and he didn't like to touch his meat, so he used a bread glove. I
1: can't, I can't wait to meet – I can't wait to meet the uh, Duke of Tudorfish in the later <laughs> then <that's, laughs>
3: I was going to point out I do love that Roland keeps calling it Tudorfish.
2: Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned this earlier, uh, Colin, like the the times where Roland gets our language wrong, like I I can see how people would be kind of annoyed by it because it's kind of precious. It's it's very mm-hmm. much the uh like the funny robot in a Star Wars movie. Like it's there for to kind of draw off a little bit of tension, but it mm-hmm. it works for me every damn yeah. time. Just like those yeah. robots in Star Wars work for me every <laughs> damn time. So Yeah, yeah, he,
0: he like he uh Eddie even calls it out saying like, "Oh, he speaks in such a weird archaic way. It's kind of cute." Which that doesn't mm-hmm. excuse it if it bothers you. Like if you if you know it's a problem, change it. I don't think it's a problem.
1: I just think "popkin" yeah. is a really goofy word. It is a goofy word. But again, <laughs> like it's one of those things like it, it kind of it's one of those earworms like mm-hmm. I mean, I've used the word "popkin" outside of talking about the Dark Tower before. Like, I'm not yeah. ashamed to admit. That. <laughs> oh yeah, I've I've accidentally fired off a thank you sigh.
0: Like it's, it happens. Oh, yeah. It, it, yeah. it gets in there, you know. <clears throat> <laughs> so, so he he orders this uh the, the this Tudor fish sandwich. Um, and we get this uh we, we get this recollection uh, uh the the Eddie has that I kind of laid out before, where he stops the sallow thing from uh, from tricking him as he gets the coke for his boss. And also his, uh, his 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 dealer kind of Enrico Balazar. not a dealer, but kind of the kingpin of the organization. Mm. Um, there's another quote here that I want to lay out that again very typifies the relationship between uh, between Eddie and Henry. Um, the trouble with him and Henry was they were like Charlie Brown and Lucy. The only difference was once in a while um, Henry would hold on to the football so Eddie could kick it. Not often, but once in a while. Which is again like it, it relies on the reference. You have to know what pulling the football away from Charlie Brown means. But that is mm-hmm. a, again a great way to talk about you know kind of an abusive relationship a little bit. Yeah,
2: yeah, and and
3: oh, not absolutely. only that, but he, he he talks about wanting to write to Charles Schultz and tell him that. If he really wants to mess with Charlie Brown, he <laughs> yeah. how to do it but that's I don't think that's that's what you're supposed to take away from peanuts
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and and again, he's simultaneously being sarcastic and grim, but also also being like genuine about it like there 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 there's a hurt in that, hmm. yeah, so during this whole exchange, you know while Roland is coming forward, there is a stewardess on board who notices Eddie's eyes changing color. She thinks Eddie's a little cute, not much but cute and one of the things that kind of perked her up about him was his soft hazel eyes but noticing that they they, they turn this glacier blue. she thinks, oh he's got contacts, he's probably really vain, etc cetera, etc cetera, before realizing and remembering her training. she has a court in her past, you know <laughs> training to be a flight attendant saying hey you always notice when something's wrong like never forget if you see something that's out of out of the ordinary
1: presumably the flight attendant trainer isn't like knocking them over the head and giving them concussions over all the time no. I think it's probably so... emo-
0: like emotional violence
1: okay, okay. <laughs> I've not worked at, a, at an airline before so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna about your expertise on that. Uh, maybe, I maybe. really like this whole thing with Jane, the stewardess. Like she's like she goes into like this is pages of, of stuff where she's going back and forth about what she should do, trying to logic out everything. And it's exactly what like you would expect a trained professional on an airplane to do mm-hmm. while like seeing somebody's eyes change color. Like it's it's mm-hmm. really, really good.
0: Yeah yeah <laughs> and so she kind of puts it at the back of her mind a little bit as Roland is back in back in his world with his magic disappearing ghost tutor fish sandwich um, mm-hmm. and thinks about like the, like the man in black's voice comes to him and says hey you could probably steal Eddie's body and live a life right but he's not going to do that because that would be the most heinous form of fevery imaginable yeah which I don't know that makes me paranoid
3: <laughs> yeah that also, like I don't want to gloss over there. Like Roland is able to take things. Yes. Um, yeah. Like whenever he does inhabit Eddie and he grabs something, he he's able to take them back with him through the door.
0: Yeah. Which is it's it's kind of weird because like the like simultaneously he dwells on the physicality of moving back and forth through the doors and like where mm-hmm. where they're at in the world, but also it feels very kind of like loosey goosey and ethereal. Almost Wait, like
3: th- which I think is the way you have to do it, otherwise it's just yeah. gonna be nonsense. <laughs> like if you try to buckle down on what exactly is going yeah.
0: on. It's not it's 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 not a problem, I don't think. Yeah. And I'm I'm very happy that he establishes the rules for this because these doors are very much a Deus Ex Machina in terms mm. of the way this book needs to work, but they're also establishing, you know, the, the, the permeable the permeable membrane between between Roland's world and different versions of ours.
3: Yeah, it's not a problem necessarily, but I, I do have a problem with when he it, it's a little bit later. It's in the next chapter when when Eddie gets the food for him and he takes it back through and the description of what happens where it like it fades and Eddie can see his hands through it. That just always seemed hokey to me. And I'm not sure if there was a better way for that to be described, but that that just always bugged me. What, what I... Back to the future one.
0: <laughs> Well, yeah. What I'm yeah. picturing is a bad, is a bad film mm-hmm. special effect. Like, I think King is kind of working with the special effects of the time when he's when he's writing that or envisioning it, and just like what he would probably imagine is like a crossfade between like oh one one frame they're there and one one frame it's not like a like a bewitched kind of thing almost. I, guess,
3: I I didn't think about that. I I just I, I never really thought about writing being <laughs> limited by the. Special effects in movies available at the time, but it, yeah. I, yeah, that makes sense, especially for somebody who's as <laughs> visual a writer as King is.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you that it feels a little hokey, Evan. It, um, I, I've always thought that this whole thing, like, it's it's fine. I'm glad he doesn't go into any more detail. I feel like he could have lost the um, the watching the hot dogs like disappear in Eddie's hands or whatever, and been fine with it too. Like, mm-hmm. the less that moving physical objects between our dimension and Roland's like Crappy backwater dimension, like mm-hmm. the better, like the less we talk about how all this stuff works, the better it, everybody is. Yeah, yeah. like I, if
0: I, if they would have like Arkham Knight Jokered it into the scene, like oh, it's it, the, the hot yeah. the, the hot dog was there <laughs> as though it had, as though it had always been there and you just hadn't yeah. noticed it. Like I, I feel shitty giving Stephen King notes on it, but like they probably could have done a nice little tasteful cutaway on that.
3: That's that's honestly always kind of what I wished would have happened. I don't I don't want to see how the footlong hot dog gets made. <laughs> it <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. yeah, hollow man's in <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh man how long has it been since i thought about hollow man too <laughs> long <laughs> so <laughs> so we move on to chapter three uh contact and landing and again this just ratchets up the tension because this is like a locked room murder almost except yeah. Except it's you know trying to get out. Uh, how, how do we get this thing and this cocaine out of the locked room when
1: everything is set up to make sure it doesn't? We did talk about like the Eddie is strapped down with a pound of cocaine like to oh, his body, yeah. right? Like, oh yeah. He's, yeah. yeah, he's got it like taped and like taped well, yeah. to to his body. Like he's he's he's, he's so got this like twenty minutes like, to get armpits. it on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this they 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 put some effort into this. So like Eddie's super nervous about clearing customs, which. Um, I really like Roland's, um, how Roland capitalizes clearing customs, like it's some like (laughs) grand ritual, formal event. Yeah. The the, the
3: clearing, the clearing (laughs) of the customs.
1: Yeah. Yeah, The clearing (laughs) of the customs. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he's, (laughs) again, that language works for me. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and he's getting this, like, you know, I, I, I like the description of him calling up the words for things out of. Out of what is kind of like at the surface thoughts of the people that he that he's inhabiting like you know throughout all of this he doesn't know Eddie's name like he knows he knows Henry's name because Eddie always thinks about it Eddie never thinks of himself so he doesn't know what to call him and in fact he keeps on calling him the
1: prisoner when they when they eventually uh, you know eventually talk. Man, but do you want to talk about somebody who does not like being called a prisoner? <laughs> does not like somebody called me germ the other day, and I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, you don't, you don't call me that, germ." <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't ask. It's a it's long okay. story. Okay,
0: like you, you, you spent the rest of the day like you, you lit a match and threw it, through at their feet, right? <laughs>
1: I don't get that reference, but yeah, that's no, what I do. no. I just—it's just a—it's just a, it's a,
0: it's a thing I would do if somebody like if I was named Jeremy and somebody called me Jerm, I would just spend the day throwing lit matches at them until they went away.
2: <laughs> oh <Okay>.
0: God! <laughs> and they wouldn't catch, but they're not soaked in gasoline. It's just a—it's a—it's a, it's a, it's a harmless but very threatening gesture. Come on, you <laughs> could just it's turn just around and walk away too. Yeah, well, that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> I want him A to be gone and B to understand that what he did isn't cool.
3: <laughs> i guess maybe because i have a brother named jeremy and i've definitely called him germ when i was young and thought that was funny
2: yeah
0: yeah <sighs> anyway. we get another flashback of this uh you know again the, the him being strapped down uh with all of this with all of this cocaine um oh gosh that sounds so painful having all that stuff <laughs> and and especially later on when they're trying to remove it under a time constraint yeah no good and back in the present day, Eddie snorts just a little bit of heroin, a little Tootski heroin, to uh, to take the edge off.
1: That's how you know you're in a good place in life. Yeah, I just need a I just need a little bit of key bump so I can get through the day. So, you know? <laughs> that's not good.
0: And as he tries to get less edgy, Jane, our uh, our, our gunslinger stewardess, the army woman, as uh, as 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 Roland <laughs> calls her, uh, readies the her thermos as a weapon, which. That has to be a thing, right? Like I, I don't know, like I I I I wonder if that is something that Stephen King came up with as a quick as a quick way for a stewardess to improvise a weapon or if that's actually something that stewardesses or flight attendants do. I shouldn't
3: I'm say stewardess. Sure, <laughs> e- i I'm, I'm not sure, but either way, I love Jane as a character so much. Yeah. <laughs> What a what an unexpectedly badass character!
0: Yeah, <laughs> like she, um, you know, throughout all this, you know, it's it's darting back and forth between between these different characters, and we get a good deal of Jane's inner monologue as she like runs down the different possibilities and like convinces herself, like, "Hey, this is about to go down," and I don't know, like. <laughs> Even though I'm I want Roland to live, I'm kind of rooting for Jane because she's just doing her job in a very good way. Like I would want oh, her yeah. to do this even though there wasn't a mystical cowboy thought jacking a man.
3: Oh totally. <laughs> like, She's such a cool character because like she sees the situation and decides, like, oh, I need to do something about this mm-hmm. instead of, you know, just kind of like what I feel like. A lot of maybe not other writers, but I feel like especially at the time, like, they'd be like, oh, then she goes and she gets the cool dude with the gun on the plane. And (laughs) No, she she has. She takes everything that she has and she's ready to do whatever she has to do to take care of this problem.
0: Yeah. Like she. Well, she she does go get the go get the cool man, the pilot who fucks it up. (laughs) The pilot's a a bumbling jackass. Like if she would have given him the old one two heave ho, your face is gone. This would have ended in a different way. Mm-hmm. yeah but um, so Roland recognizes like, like, just basically does that whole describe it to a Martian kind of thing of like oh she sees something she sees that something is wrong and she's holding something up I thought it was a canteen but it's actually a weapon and she's probably going to twist the top off and, and shoot it at me so like we need to we need to do something about this
3: yeah, and it's it's so interesting because you've got it's it's almost like this this battle of the former trainers because you've you've got jane's uh her her mentor i don't remember if they reference her name or not but
0: no they don't i don't i don't i don't um, think so i didn't make a note of it
3: yeah court jr <laughs> yeah. but uh but the, you you've got you've got jane trying to remember her training about being observant and being prepared and being vigilant and then you've got roland uh and, and courts training about the same stuff mm-hmm and neither one of them totally knows what's going on, but they both know enough to know that something's up.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, it's it's a little bit later on, but this this is kind of like a recurring thing throughout this chapter where where they're just kind of both this unknowing battle of wits between people that aren't aware that they're engaged in it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but Roland talks about uh, his years of... And uh, his his training of mingled torture and precision, mm. and that's that's just uh, man, what a line,
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's uh, I, I didn't think about the two of them do <laughs> the two of their trainers doing uh doing a battle of wits by proxy, but that is that, that is very apt. Like everything in this is about a proxy almost. Yeah, yeah. So. Um. Yeah. So Roland knows. Hey, if if if, if uh, Eddie doesn't complete this complete this ritual of the clearing of the customs, uh, I'm going to die. You know, eaten by these monsters on the beach after my heart explodes due to infection. Um. Eating so about what,
2: Cole? Uh, what?
0: Oh, Lobstrosity. Sorry. Yeah. There we, thank you. Very <laughs> much. Thank you. I would feel terrible. At it.
1: <laughs> I was about to start throwing matches at your feet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, okay, we need to we need to act on this. So he runs a test because he he gets an idea if he's able to bring things if he's able to bring things from uh, this world into his. He wants to know if he can bring things from his world into this one. So he. Runs this task, bringing a quarter back, and he says, "Ah, yes, this man on the quarter looks uh, both both dignified and vain." And then he looks on the back, like, "Holy shit, an eagle! That's that's our that's our sign, not me. <laughs> Which lots of places like eagles, man. Um, <laughs> but uh, but 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 then the, the 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 plan starts to form, and he makes he makes contact with with, with Eddie, saying, "Like, hey, you, you know, you're not going crazy." And they go back and forth on that for a little bit. It's very much under. Under uh, uh, it's it's up for debate whether or not either either of them are going crazy at this point, um, but saying, hey, when you get a chance, go to the bathroom. I have a safe place for you to keep this cocaine. I also
3: like here that Roland mentally slaps Eddie a couple of times,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
3: like what that must actually feel like that. It, it feels like you are being slapped, but it's only in your mind. But it's by this voice, not just the thought. <laughs> this is a very funny visual
0: to me. Yeah. He's uh, he's really uh, g- given it to him, and then when he- <laughs> later on when uh, when Eddie goes into Roland's world, he just beats the shit out of him. He boxes his ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he boxes. I think he boxes Eddie's ears with his diminished hand. So it's gonna. Be, I don't care how much this hurts me. I'm gonna punch you, you little piece of shit, uh, maggot. He calls him maggot, maggot just like Cortez. Yeah, yeah <laughs> he very much
3: immediately turns into Court without realizing it. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really, really good.
0: <laughs> so. Eddie says to the pilot, "Hey, I'm going to throw up on your feet um, uh, if I don't go into the bathroom." Uh, very much under under protest, and um, ends up being drawn into into Roland's world as Roland kind of makes the door the door visible to him. And Eddie's first first impression of Roland is, "Hey, this man is dead, and he didn't even know it." Yeah, yeah, like it's it's bad.
3: Which again, like taking that juxtaposition of where Roland and who he was in the first book, and then this pitiful gaunt man, uh, you know, uh, uh, with everything except for his eyes being essentially dead, and mm-hmm. rotting yeah. as he's walking. The the, uh, the eyes full of terrible and tenacious vitality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
0: the, de- describing like the skin of his cheeks looking like tattered cloth, like stretched across a frame and about mm. to rip. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a bad scene.
1: And this this scene where they um, <clears throat> cut the tape off of. Eddie to get these cocaine bags off of his skin, like it's the most like cringe worthy. Like I I just like the whole time I was reading, like I'm moving my body around, like someone has a sharp knife up to me that's trying not to cut me. Like it's, I don't know what it is about this scene that just sets sets my nerves on edge. Like they because they're peeling this off and then they have to get the knife and part of this is like behind Eddie. And Roland reaches out and grabs the knife and says, I'm gonna do this part. And his hand is visibly shaking. And then <laughs> he just like basically jean grays his hand still. Like he just like
2: yeah. <laughs> and,
1: and zips it up and, and like Eddie can feel like the the force of will off of him. Like that's how strong <laughs> Roland's will is, which is kind of cheesy, but also like Roland is such a badass at this point that you just accept anything about him.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) there's a, there's a funny little interaction. So this whole thing is, is, is kind of farcical. It's kind of like a Lucy sketch. They're arguing Mm -hmm. about the best way to take off the, (laughs) to take this off. Like, like, like Eddie's, you know, zoning out because he's just taking heroin. He doesn't think this is real. He's, he's got his, he's got Henry's voice in his, in his head saying flip flop, hippity hop, off of your rocker and over the top. Life's a fiction. The world's a lie. So put on some credence and let's get high. Like he's just, (laughs) he's completely like jabbering in his head and Roland holds the knife up. And Eddie asks him, are you left-handed? Roland says, no. And, then... <laughs> and he says, oh, Jesus.
3: <laughs> Only in some things. No, but there's a the part where Eddie turns around looks through the door and then sees the reflection of himself in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then also in the reflection, the door and then himself back on the beach with Roland. Yep. Like, and that
0: moment has to, like,
3: I don't know, like, it's amazing that Eddie sees that and his brain just doesn't break. Like I love crafty and protagonist because I feel like that's what I would do if I saw that.
0: That's uh, that's foreshadowing for later too. Mm-hmm. So yes. Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that until I read it very closely because it's kind of a blink and you miss it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I cannot blame Eddie for thinking that none of this is real and that he's just having a terrible, terrible not trip. You don't like I don't think you trip on heroin. I'm such a square, guys. I don't be <laughs> honest.
3: I didn't even know you could snort heroin. So, I thought you just shoot it. That's how
0: <laughs> you do drugs. That's how Uma Thurman um <laughs> almost dies in Pulp
1: Fiction. Mm-hmm. She See, uh, yeah, I always
3: think that that's just cocaine. I don't know how yeah. drugs work guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: she snorted <laughs> way too much heroin. It, you can also get heroin in pill form. Like that's mm. like you know, you can you can do some stuff.
0: Yeah. Hey, a, fun facts. It's a it's, it's 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 a it's a real thing. Um also like they like they they swear to each other. Henry and Eddie swear that they will never uh, they'll never inject. That they're just going to snort because yeah. <laughs> you know way classier yeah oh <sighs> man so we, we get this kind of like comedy smash cut as as the pilots bust down the door and there's eddie sitting there saying like hey guys i'm i'm shitting i can't reach the door um, <laughs> because he doesn't want to lean forward and like eddie has gone into full-on like you know, shucking and driving mode, just like saying, like, yeah, you know, like joking with the guys, trying to like obfuscate what is going on that, that nothing, you know, like, hey, what are you guys doing? I'm taking a shit here. And also, I need to, I need to cover my small dick so the ladies don't see. Like, he's just, he's totally, he's totally on his feet as though he's trying to talk, to talk his way out of a jam on the street corner, you know, not facing down, um, as one of the uh, stewardesses says, uh, a series of small rooms that he's going to be in for the rest of his life. The and swagger like, this, this guy a, has right yep. now,
1: like just to just yeah. to like like talk shit yeah. to the pilot, to flirt with the stewardesses, like <laughs> it's just amazing. And I know he's high, and I know he's kind of like he's, he's, his adrenaline has probably like flooded his body at this point because he's, yeah. it's a crazy weird situation. But like, man, the swag. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, damn. I was going to
3: say this is kind of like uh, personifying that idea that he's he's got the steel, but he doesn't have the training. And I feel like this is a moment where like he kind of. King is showing him how he does know how to work himself out of a situation, but he's kind of mm-hmm. going too far with it because the the pilot even knows like he I think says something along the lines of he looks like a cat who got the cream like he knows what he was doing and he yeah. knows Eddie looks like he just got away with the world, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, what are you going to do? You can't do anything about it. So
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think he's confident because he got a freebie, you know. Yeah, like exactly. Hey, you can't get it, you know. Just to, just to so- solve the, solve the riddle, uh, Mister Pilot Man, <laughs> you know um and so, so i want to counter that because because you say hey you know he's he, he's he's untrained he doesn't he you know he just see he, he's 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 accomplished this he's done something remarkable but he doesn't know how to like he doesn't know when to stop like his eddie's mouth is his gun That's and we're true. seeing it so early mm-hmm. yeah
3: and i think it's a little bit like i mean even like with roland's gun whenever he was younger it was mm-hmm. you could tell that it was trained and that it was deadly but you know. He's a little, you know. I think this is a really good juxtaposition with Roland as in those flashbacks that we get uh, in the first book, where he might be. He's he's uh, man. I can't remember what the what the man in black says to him, but he, there's something along the lines of uh, "You're either smart or you're dull,"
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, and that is very much Eddie here. Like this yeah. is Eddie is, and it, it makes more sense now that I picture Eddie being a lot younger. Yeah, uh, yeah. That he is very much a young Roland at this point.
1: Yeah. As so. much, in as much as Roland has ever been young in his entire life. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, after all of this happens, you know, Eddie's basically carried off of the plane and through the airport. He says like, Oh, his feet, his feet touch the ground, like maybe four times before, before he gets to the, uh, the small interrogation room as people kind of watch on. And with that suspenseful note, that's where we're going to leave you. Um, until <laughs> until next time uh, so, i 'm sure it 'll all be fine uh, it's it, it, there yeah nothing no heads are going to roll um, so <laughs> yeah, I just want to let that God. land um, so, um, so uh, the next chapter is going to go up through the, the the rest of the prisoner section of the book uh so the next uh the next three or four chapters or so um, and uh, i don 't know who 's going to be joining us next time, but uh, i 'm sure it'll be another fine group of people like you all. Uh, So let's kind of wrap things up here. Um, Any kind of things that we didn't say about this first section of the book, any of the characters, any, any any of the events, kind of summaries and wrap ups.
1: I'll step in real quick and just say that I hadn't <clears throat> in my head. I thought we were going like for the next two chapters. So now I am super disappointed. I don't get to talk about it.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, me no, too, that's, not, that's
1: not on you. That's totally on me. Like I just didn't. I just literally pulled up the the thing and I was like, oh, I thought we were doing. Yeah, yeah. I just. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the, the, this book is so much fun. Um, <clears throat> like even from this outset, like I mentioned this at the very beginning of the podcast where like we're just off and rolling and everything with dude, Eddie is just so much fun fun like his the smart assery on as opposed to juxtaposed with roland's like super seriousness it just really really works for me Roland to like messing up names and calling things tutor fish is always hilarious to me like all of this stuff really really works i am 100 percent into this in fact i haven't stopped reading it yet like hmm. i read the first part for this chapter and i was like well time to keep going <laughs> like i'm <laughs> with the book now <laughs> yeah <clears throat> evan how about
0: you
3: um yeah i especially this first this first third of the book is uh it's super intense and brutal at the very beginning but all the eddie stuff and, and not just in this book but throughout the rest of the series is just great and uh i i i'm always kind of disappointed that we we don't get to hear more about uh cuthbert i, I think it's actually cuthbert but i either, hate that I, so either, it's, either
0: or it's, it's
3: it's it's always been cuthbert even when yeah. uh when the narrator was saying something different yeah but uh, I was always disappointed that we don't get more of him because that's basically just bonus Eddie.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh God! I, it's, I,
0: I, it's, I, if Eddie stayed and, on the on the Brooklyn scene for a little bit longer, his nickname would have been Bonus Eddie. <laughs> yep. Agreed.
3: Yeah. But but uh, it, it's 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 so much fun and it's so fast paced. It's so kinetic and so just engaging. And yeah, Eddie's character develops so much in such interesting ways in such a very short span of time and then after we get out of this section and onto the lady in shadows lady in shadows lady of the shadows uh it it keeps developing and you keep not expecting where it's gonna go
0: yeah Mm -hmm. steven how about you yeah uh just like from we
3: keep saying from the very beginning of this book how much it's so different. Like, I mean, the Lobstrosities are horrifying uh, and all that stuff, (laughs) but there is an an element of comedy uh, to them. So it feels like just like from the beginning of this book that the the situations, you're able to take them very, very seriously. Like we go from these lobster monsters uh, eating Roland on the beach to Eddie on a plane trying to smuggle drugs for this dude Balazar, who sounds like a real bad dude. Like, those are all terrible situations, but like King really susses out the comedy in these situations and i think that it makes this book a lot more fun than the last one was mm-hmm. to read. like that last one was a lot of dire stuff happening it's so good mm-hmm. um but like this is when it really gets rolling in like how eddie and roland play like a buddy cop uh, <laughs> duo like they're back and forth on the beach like where they're arguing and they're trying to do this but it's also real tense like i like that whole scene just really like it gets me really excited to read the red, rest of the books because the the character interactions that continue to happen in this, like the yeah. way King just wraps up this real weird cast of characters by the <laughs> end of the series, like it's just, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's a it's it's a boatload of misfits. When when, when you characterize yeah. it as a buddy cop movie, I, I pictured it as uh, as Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman
2: almost. Yeah. Oh God! You know the, that God. Comedy Seven? <laughs> yeah, yeah that <laughs> Comedy Seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Comedy, Wow!
0: Wait, 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 What's in minute. that box over there? <laughs> Hey! Hey! Look at that box.
1: <laughs> this is like the strange prequel to the movie that we talked about in the uh, the, the last episode of season one for the Gunslinger with Will Ferrell. The...
3: <laughs> oh
2: god! Yeah. are yeah. yep. saying
3: that the other guys are the is. The the
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god. That made me laugh so that I coughed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: i i, think, I feel go ahead. i feel like we're we're on the precipice of some really really beautiful synergy with uh with the boys over at pitch industries with some of these movie, movie oh, yeah. concepts.
0: <laughs> yeah I, I think that they can really pick up bad babysitter and move on to the other other guys yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, um, so all that absurdity aside i really need to stop laughing start hiccuping um <laughs> 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 all all of that aside i think you, you guys nailed it um, i i couldn't agree with you more like uh, just the, this is such a relaxed book for as quick as for as quickly as it moves like it it feels like it is written by a more comfortable writer and i think that that, that is a tone that's going to kind of be carried 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 forward um, through, through this and through the majority, through the majority of the series until the, until the pace and the, and the, and the structure picks back up again. I think that he, <laughs> the series only benefits by having Eddie in and let's not make any, let's not have any illusions about the purpose Eddie serves. He's the only sane man and the person who looks at Roland's world through the lens of our own. Yeah. You know he, he's he's meant to be kind of a, a late edition viewpoint character who is not this strange and disaffected. I've died multiple times, little boy. That you know that that, that Jake is. Um, so he's he's kind of tailor made to be to be identifiable um, for you know for, for for a certain kind of person who's likely to be reading a Stephen King book. You know. But it works, and even if I can see the strings, it uh, yeah, it's 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 effective, and I really wouldn't have it any, any other way. I think that like Eddie's up there with some of the best characters that King's ever written. You know, yeah, I agree for sure, and I'm very excited to uh, to continue talking about it. But we must uh, you know, take a small break, and we'll be back in two weeks with the remainder of uh, the 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 Prisoners saga. Um, so before we do the whole admin stuff, I want to give you guys a chance to, to, uh, uh, to, to tell about your own things. So Jeremy and Steven, you guys were talking about something earlier.
1: Yeah. Me and me and Steven do a podcast called monster of the week where we are covering every single episode of the supernatural TV show. And <clears throat> so far we're still saying <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it just got
0: renewed for a 15th season. So there-
1: 13th yep. yep yep we had uh literally the day that they announced that we had just wrapped the first 20 episodes um so and then they just literally yep. added 22 more so like we're no longer <laughs> another half year of content <laughs> yep 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 good stuff uh but it's, it's a delightful podcast we do it with a guy named chris Mosier who uh <clears throat> and we're all big fans of supernatural and it's it ends up being a little bit less serious than this show, if you can imagine. Holy shit. <laughs> uh, we, we like to goof on the show a lot. We like to – but we also have a like a huge, huge love for it. So it's, it's one of those great things um, where we can talk about how great it is and also talk about how absolutely ridiculous it is. Yeah. And also hunks. If you like <laughs> hunks, lots and lots of creepy hunks. Lots of creepy hunks.
3: <laughs> I've only seen a couple episodes of that show, but it was just lousy with hunks.
0: Yeah. It's, it's –
1: come get your honks you we got honks all over here <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah a lot a lot of man meat up for sale
1: um, mm-hmm.
0: yeah but um, uh, what else Jeremy you do you do a whole bunch of stuff don't you
1: oh yeah uh, you can find monster of the week at monster of the week dot cool I don't think I actually mentioned that <laughs> but uh, because <laughs> I, love, I love the new TLDs. Oh, monster yeah. of the week dot cool is the best thing ever uh, but go you can there just for find, all
3: your. Yeah, say, just yeah. go there for all your six supernatural gifts
1: absolutely yeah we have we have a whole page dedicated to uh garbage supernatural stuff where we just keep (laughs) posting stuff that we find it's great uh you can find me on twitter at jg greer and that's where i post all of my stuff including my duck feed podcast that i do with gary butterfield called Mm -hmm. days of future cast where we talk about x-men so Yeah.
0: yeah uh steven how about you i am
3: at from soft junkie and yeah right now monster of the week is is the cast i'm rolling regularly so
0: nice and uh,
3: Evan, how about you? Uh, Jonesthorne dot com has uh, pretty much all my interesting stuff going on right now. I'm at Mister underscore Harder all spelled out on Twitter, and uh, as always at Sad Paul Stanley on Twitter as well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rec, 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 recommended. Um, <laughs> and you can find me at Cole Ross, um, on, on, on the old Twitter and on a bunch of shows at, uh, duckfeed.tv. We're, uh, getting ready to roll up or just recently launched a new show all about the music of REM. Um, the, the, the band that crawled from the South that is called file underwater. And you're going to be able to uh, listen to it over at duckfeed.tv. Um, so for this show, uh, I, I mentioned it at the beginning and kind of the call to action section, but please uh, share this with your friends, people who people who like the books or are interested in Stephen King or are looking for something to kind of accompany uh, their first their, their, their first kind of run through the series. Uh, we welcome all if they can get through our impenetrable references. Just tell them to listen from the beginning. <laughs> They're fine. Um, <laughs>
1: just start with the first duck feed podcast and work your way back up. Yeah, yeah, it'll Oof. be
0: it'll, it'll, it'll be about um, I think. I've never totaled it up. It would be shocking if I did probably at least it's months of content at this point. But I mean, the show, come on. like we're on episode seven. They can, they can go back. It's, it's, it's fine. But most of all, come back next time here in two weeks uh, for the continuation of the drawing of the three and for the rest of the show about the entire dark tower series. We're so happy that you joined us and until next time, long days and pleasant nights.
2: Mm,
3: awesome.
0: <laughs> got gotta got fit it in. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I'm sorry. No, no. I, 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 we have to. It, it needs. It needs to happen.